Thank you, praise team. Good morning to all of us. Good morning, GCAF. Good morning, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and advance Happy New Year. We praise and thank God for this cold morning that He has allowed us to experience. I hope that uh, your Christmas celebration last night was truly a warm celebration. Tinood yud nga warm kay Gabron Outman to some of us who have uh, experienced brownout. I, I know that there are some places nga walay brownout, but the brownout came murag black out all over the different places from Taguluan to Abut Salumbia. Um, and, you know, um, Sayun ragyud pa kaning pasaputun ang pinoy, no? Um, make the celebration of Christmas go brown out, and then you will see all kinds of reclamo in social media. But uh, we praise and thank God that even through the many um, testings, uh, we celebrated Christmas last night within our homes. And I praise and thank God that you have also chosen to celebrate Christmas with our brothers and sisters, our spiritual family here at GCAF. Can we give a clap of applause, a round of applause to our Lord? Um, what have you received as presents, a present no? throughout this, this month? Na by ayong gift nga inyohang na receive. Um, this morning we will be talking about this, uh, the most important gift which is we know as the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what does that give to us? So that would be the focus of our um, discussion and meditation upon God's word this morning. So please open your Bibles to Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. Uh, we will look into God's word in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the prophecies about Christmas that is found in Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. Allow me to read uh, these verses. Please follow me silently in Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So talking about gifts, my children and our silingan, the Mayanos, received a gift last night from, uh, from the parents. You know, kids are not really complicated at all no, when it comes to gifts. You know, we bought that gift from Kugun and it cost us, you know, very cheap lang ang pagpalit. But the kind of, you know, um, sparkle in their eyes and the kind of love that we got because of them receiving such gifts, um, that is the one that is invaluable. No? You cannot buy that with, uh, with money. And it's so amazing to see the expressions of those kids as they gave thanks to us 
parents when we gave those gifts to them. Although the back of our minds, um, the, the gift is just from, you know, from Kogon. But we thank the Lord, we praise the Lord for the kind of gift uh, or the kind of reception that we got. We got a warm hug. I got a warm hug last night from my two kids and it made my, my Christmas, you know, um, in celebration of God's love and in celebration of, of, of the beauty of God's grace, it made my, uh, my night. But how about all of us, brothers and sisters? What are the gifts that you have received throughout this month, throughout this week? And probably many of us who have, you know, stuck to the traditional belief and to the essence of Christmas, we know and we say that the incarnation, God becoming man through the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all. But one of the things that we would like to um, talk more tonight will be in the area of love and grace incarnate. Because these two are the things that makes the incarnation real to us. Leon Morris, a a uh, theologian have said that the incarnation or even the atonement, incarnation and atonement are one of the things or two of the truths that about the Lord Jesus Christ and about God that makes theology real to you and me. From an abstract understanding of God, now it has become real to us. God is with us. Emmanuel, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question now is what gifts do the incarnation bring to you and me? What does that uh, imply to each of our lives as we live our lives here on earth? What does incarnation or the incarnation give to us? Now this morning through the book of Micah chapter 5 verses 2 to 5, we will look into this gifts that the incarnation brings or has brought to you and me. There are two of them. The first one is in the area of a grand display of God's love. This is the first gift, a grand display of God's love. And there are two dimensions of this that is uh, written in the book of Micah or written to us through the book of Micah, verses 2 to 5. The first one is in the area of divine humility. We see a picture of divine humility that is through the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to his Father para sa kahimayaan, for the glory of his Father. It says in verse 2 of chapter 5, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. The book of Micah is written hundreds of years before the actual incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of the beautiful prophecies that points to the Messiahship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some of the um, prophecies about the Messiah, you can actually, you know, uh, copy or even fake. Now, there are some people who uh, in the Jewish community prior to Christ's coming somehow, somehow has made a uh, looking into the Old Testament and, and assumed to be the Messiah. Um, you can copy that like um, siguro the sacrifices of the Messiah, the things that uh, the Messiah did. But there are many of them 
probably around 80 to hundreds, according to scholars, that you cannot fake at, at all. And Jesus Christ, through this, being born in Bethlehem is something that you cannot choose or something that you can, you can fake. Jesus being born in Bethlehem, too little among the clans of Judah, the lowliest among the clans of Judah, are one of the strong signs of the Messiahship of Christ. In fact, if you gather all the prophecies in the Old Testament and you put it to one person, the probability of one of that one person achieving all the prophecies that are written in the Old Testament is so great. It's even greater, infinitesimally greater than uh, winning the lotto. You know? And Jesus achieved all that, even his birth at Bethlehem. But he chose the lowliest among the clans of Judah. Why do you think Jesus did this? You know, it's so amazing that our Lord Jesus Christ showed his humility as a grand display of God's love in obedience to God. Divine humility. You know, during that time, Rome was an amazing city. It's even called the eternal city. Why do you think that Jesus chose Jerusalem and not Rome? It would have been a great leverage for Jesus being already born in this eternal and beautiful city that is Rome. But we know that in the Bible, God has this habit of using the weak to show the strength of his might, to show the wonderful grace and power of our God. He uses the weak to shame the strong. He uses the weak to show his greatness. We see that in Psalm chapter 9, wherein God chose the lips of the children, little children, helpless children, to worship his majesty in order to shame the strong. If you can remember, the book of Judges chapter 7 records about the story of Gideon and the 300, the real 300 they were, they were actually around 30,000 army army, uh, people in the army of Gideon. But when, G, when God saw those 30,000, he said, oh, it's too much. Too much of your army to a point that you might say that we did it because of our might, because of our sheer force. That we Israel won because of our great army. So take them off. To a point that it boiled down to just 300 people in order to show God's might and God's strength. And we also see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. God uses the weak to shame the strong. God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise of this world. God chose, chose Bethlehem over Rome. You know, in the uh, year 410 AD, a pivotal moment in Western history, when the eternal city, the city who said that it will be impossible for this city to die or to be vanquished, was conquered by the Vandals, that is Rome. Alaric captured the city of Rome 
It was the eternal city because the Romans was known uh, or, or uh, thought that it would literally, it will never fall. But in year 4010, its foundation was shaken and ultimately it led to the collapse of the Roman Empire. And Augustine wrote this in his book, The City of God. And when this uh, new or this alarming news broke, the city of Rome blamed the Christians for not worshipping the um, Jupiter and the gods, which is why those gods left Rome and left them to ruin. And they pointed the fingers at the Christians during that time. And Augustine wrote the book, The City of God, that it is not because of the Christians that Rome fell, because previously, even when all of the people in Rome worshipped those gods, they already fell. They, they were already they, they, they were defeated already before. In fact, Augustine says that it was their worship of those little gods that made this curse or this downfall came upon them. And Augustine continued that we, we should not look to cities of this world. Whatever city or however grand those cities are because those cities represent the glory of men. But we need to look forward to the city of God that represents our complete salvation in God, in Christ alone. Brothers and sisters, that salvation began at a humble and lowly city which is called Bethlehem. And through Bethlehem, it showed the wondrous glory and the power of the might of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a display of love. Through the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ, we who are weak, God will use to shame the, the, the strong in this world. How beautiful it is. That is why, brothers and sisters, even in our salvation, it is not by our works. It's not by our discarte and how great we are. Because we are weak. We can never earn our own salvation. Because if we can, then we might boast about it. We look, we look forward to the city of God and by His grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this salvation will be completed by that time. And it all started in the wonderful, humble act of the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming man of the lowliest of all cities, and that is Bethlehem. We praise and thank the Lord for that. A grand display of love through humility. Jesus obeyed the desire of his father. The second display of love is found in his sacrifice, divine sacrifice. In verses 2 and 3, uh, the second part of verse 2, it says there, His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Christ who is from eternity, it says here, he will give them up. 
It's also a kind of picture that we have seen in the book of Philippians chapter 2 where Jesus humbled himself, you know, and poured out himself in order to, uh, to serve, become a slave to serve us and to serve the Lord, his Father. But when you look at it, giving up eternity does, does not mean that Christ gave up his divine nature. It's, or probably like his divine nature is like a cloth wherein he would give them up so that he would took on some uh, clothes of humanity, of slavery. No, when Christ came, he is fully God and he is fully man as well. We need to put that in our perspective. But this giving up of eternity is a picture of his grand sacrifice, a picture that entails that Christ who is from eternity will now have this potential of dying. And in fact, he did die on the cross. The sacrifice in dying for Christ, the sacrifice there is not merely the feeling of pain. You know, because of death, you know, mahadlok, mamatay. Death because probably it's so painful, which is why many of us are afraid of death. But for Christ, it's in the reality that God the Father will turn his back on him. God the Father will pour out his wrath upon him because of our sins, of, our, of humanity's sin, which has never happened in eternity past. And Jesus, that is the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when, if it's possible, O Lord, take this cup away from me. But not my will. Your will be done. It's the beauty of sacrifice. The beauty of love that Christ has shown to you and me. And this is the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive because of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did die. And God the Father poured out his anger for us to him during that time on the cross. And that sacrifice, according to the verse, was for the purpose of calling not merely the Jews, but also for the believing Gentiles as his children. The result here is that so those whom he has called will return as part of the sons of Israel. You know, it's not merely the Israel that God has chosen or his chosen people anymore but because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ you and me who are Gentiles can now have this uh, beautiful relationship of the Lord Jesus through the Lord Jesus Christ as children of God and we can call God Abba Father because of this beautiful act of the incarnation you know, there are many sacrifices that the Lord Jesus Christ did it's not merely in, on, in the area of you know, going to the cross. That's, that's the greatest among, among all the sacrifices. But there are many sacrifices throughout the life of Jesus. One of that is choosing Mary and Joseph over Herod the Great. One of the prominent builders and architects, probably the greatest among the architects in the whole history of the world. He gave it up for a carpenter. Or he chose the carpenter over this great hero. And he was born from this young woman, 
born of a virgin, Mary, and of, you know, his father, Joseph, who is a carpenter. Herod was a, such an amazing guy. He built all of these wonderful and awe-inspiring structures all over Israel from the beauty of Masada to some of you who have been there. He, he actually built a spa on top of the mountain. He flattened the mountain and put a spa there and put millions of gallons of water on that spot wherein he used millions of people to carry those jugs of water from below going up to that mountain. How crazy is the guy? And all over, all over Israel, he, he built many spa. He built many wonderful um, um, structures and he, be he became prominent. The biggest of his project is the temple. And actually, Israel called it as Herod's temple. How amazing is that? Supposed to be God's temple, but Herod was uh, given the, the title of building that amazing, great temple. Greater than... Uh, probably more beautiful or bigger than Solomon's temple and of course Zerubbabel's temple. But this temple where the pride of the Pharisees and the religious leaders were placed, Jesus said, in three days uh, I, will, uh, I will destroy this temple and in three days I will build it up. And those um, um, Pharisees uh, are saying, you know, bad things about the Lord Jesus Christ because of that kind of declaration of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have chosen to be in this, you know, the family of Herod the Great, wherein his leverage would be unbelievable. Yet because of this sacrifice, he chose these lowly people, Mary and Joseph, a carpenter over the greatest architect builder in the whole world. This beautiful sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ so is, is for the purpose that we might be reconciled back to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20 says there, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And this is how amazing the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ because in him we see this picture on how we should live out our Christian lives. God in Christ is reconciling um, whom he called back to him. And this is through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ that this became true. And now he has given us this ministry of reconciliation where we are called to, you know, call people to Christ so that they may reconcile, uh, they may be reconciled to the Father, to God. And it takes a life of sacrifice as well. And this is just the beauty of God's love. He didn't leave us, you know, with you know talking about this you do this but he gave us Jesus Christ this grand display of love where we can emulate by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ oh how beautiful the first gift that we can get through the incarnation and that is the um, that is this divine sacrifice divine humility his grand 
display of love. The second gift of the incarnation is the benefits of grace. We see that in verses 4 and 5. The second gift is the benefits of grace. There are two aspects here. Number one is the shepherd's reign. This is a grace that comes from the Lord. That in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, they will remain. Because at that time, he will be great to the ends of the earth. Verse 4, this, and he will arise, it says there. He will arise and shepherd his flock. Ah, sorry, naulahi. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain to the ends of the earth. Jesus will become our great shepherd. He became our great shepherd in the book of John. You know, sheep are dumb. They are dumb animals. Even if the wolf is already eating their friends uh, beside them, they will still continue to graze you know, on the beautiful grasses around them. They're such dumb animals and they need a great shepherd or a shepherd for them to, to be protected or to lead them towards areas where they can grow and they can experience um, or the, the, the nurture of nature. And it's a picture of humanity that we are foolish according to the book of Proverbs. You know, the book of Athanasius called the inc about the incarnation or in the incarnation. Uh, he talked about the image of God. That God made us in his own image and likeness. And he said that for the purpose of us showing as well, living out God's image and God's likeness in our ruling and in our character, in the way we live our lives. But because of the fall, the image of God in us, you know, disappeared or some, the, some would say it, it got warped. And, and even though we are supposed to live out this wonderful opportunity of being image bearers of God, we have deviated from that and we became foolish in our living because of the sin that is now in us. We cannot fulfill this um, command of God to live in his own image and likeness uh, so that people will or, or to display the glory of God. We need a great shepherd. We need the greatest among shepherds. And this is the purpose of the incarnation that the shepherd's reign, Jesus' reign will be upon us and it will result in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the Lord his God. And as a result, they who are the sheep will remain. Now the word there is to dwell or to settle. It actually has a, a meaning that is close to John 15. Wherein they will abide. They will continue to abide in the vine that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even to the ends of the earth. And because at that time... He will be great. This Messiah will be great to the ends of the earth. There will be this gift of protection for those who are in the great shepherd. Protection from the harm of eternal sin. The wolves of sin that are ready to devour us. 
And God will guide us. This great shepherd will guide us. This beautiful work of the Lord Jesus Christ is there to protect and to guide us towards our Father, towards our God. The shepherd's reign, it's so amazing. That is the benefit of incarnation, the benefit of grace, the second gift of God. Uh, yeah. The second part of the second gift is in the area of the Messiah's peace. In Micah chapter 5, verse 5, it says there, This one will be our peace when the Assyrian invades our land, when he tramples on our citadels, then we will race against him. Seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. Eight leaders of men. This one will be our peace. Ang ato ang kalinaw o pakigdait. The Messiah is our peace. In a picture of John 30, uh, 16 verse 33. In me, you will have peace, Jesus says. You know, that because there are Assyrian invaders that are coming or has already come. Micah is one of those uh, prophets that are unique among the different prophets of Israel because he both served in the south, that is Judah, and the north, that is Israel. He both served or he both rebuked those places while Judah went into a roller coaster of kings. Some are good, many are bad, but in Israel all are evil kings. And much of his rebuke were on Israel because probably during that time there is already the uh, notion of a people from the north who are barbaric people were coming to decimate them from the face of the earth. And these are the Assyrian invaders. This was the imminent threat of the northern kingdom. Assyrians are seen to be uh, more barbaric than Babylon, merciless and savage than Egypt and other great um, uh, powers during that time. Assyria's major weapon was the chariot along with spearmen, bowmen, and slingers. And they were excellent tacticians. They have generals who are well-equipped and highly trained and were able to transport their troops and equipment, equipments from all kinds of terrain. Now this is the big difference between the Philistines and the Assyrians. The Philistines also utilizes chariots. That's why they are so great in um, flatlands. During the times of David, um, it's quite a battle because uh, David would have a hard time conquering the Philistines in the flatlands. That, that is why they were not really um, decimated by David during their time. And also at the same time, the Philistines are having a hard time to attack David in Jerusalem or in the hill countries because chariots will have a hard time going up there. But this was not a problem for the Assyrians. The Assyrians were great in this and they used fear tactics, a system of terror involving, you know, impaling captives on spears, cutting their heads, piling those bones like a, like a, like a pyramid and siege cities in order, in order to persuade them to surrender in order to vanquish all of them, their culture and who they are. Assyria reflects this real threat in our world today. You know, they are not merely situations that can be overcome with our wits and our grit. 
you know, and our greatness and our discarte, these are life-threatening, eternal life-threatening events that comes to us. In John 10.10, 10, it tells us that we have an enemy lurking, ready to kill, steal, and destroy. Athanasius, no, um, it's uh, one of the church fathers says this, that during the fall, there are two things that happen to us. Number one is in the area of our uh, personal accountability to the maker. Sin, our personal sin, accountable to the maker. Yet at the same time, we have become under the rule of Satan. We have been blinded by the enemy. And we are under the spirits of this world. Two things that has happened. And because of our personal sin, accountability to God, we will be judged by God. And we will experience the second death of eternity in hell. But, because, but also because of being under the slavery of Satan, our lives here on earth is like hell. We are enslaved by the things of this world. You can look at that in different people and see that they are in a cycle of you know, being uh, temporarily happy because of personal achievements, yet return back to misery. A life of always striving and striving and never satisfied. A life ruled by Satan, being lied to by Satan. And being um, in this blind situation, being blinded by the works of Satan. Tenacious says this, Jesus Christ, perfect God and perfect man, accomplished the forgiveness of our sins through fighting and conquering. He bound the strong man and set free the weak and endowed his own handiwork with salvation by destroying sin. For he is a most holy and merciful Lord and loves the human race. Power of the love of God. The benefit of His grace that even though there could be Assyrian-like situations in our lives, the Messiah's peace will be upon us. Peace now, eternal peace as well in His heavenly abode. But, that, but God did not leave us you know, on our own while there are Assyrian-like threats in our world now. It says here in the second part, Then we will race against him, Assyria, seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. And in the next verse, it tells us there what will happen. Seven shepherds and uh, eight Leaders of men. The Hebrew word there is princely or nisiki, anointed ones. Or, and shepherds, rohim, little shepherds. And I believe this is what makes up the church. Seven shepherds and eight. Seven expresses perfection. Seven and eight is an idiom of full and sufficient in number. We could see that in Job chapter 5 verse 19. Proverbs 6, 16 and Ecclesiastes 11 chapter 2. Where a literary style of the Jewish people would use a number that is um, one after another, like seven and eight, six and seven, to portray a full and sufficient uh, fullness and sufficiency. 
And this will stand against the work of the Assyrians and the enemies while we are in this world. Is the chosen people of God, the church. God will raise up those people in order to stand against them. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? When Peter said, you are the son of God. Jesus said, what you said, Peter, that is the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell could not withstand against the church. It's the beauty of the incarnation or Christmas celebration. It's very simple. It's the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet it's very deep. And it even involves you and me, the church, in order to show the majesty, the greatness, and the love of God that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that this message will really, you know, be alive in us as we continue Christmas. And I have these words for you. My prayer for all of us here at Zika is that may you receive God's presence of love and grace in Christ the incarnate. May we receive this beautiful or greatest among all gifts, the love and the grace of God in Christ incarnate. You know, last time I was here, we talked about the book of Ephesians, wherein we not only speak of spiritual truths, but we also will sing these truths, hymns, and psalms for God, for His glory. So as a result, kaming uh, mga full-time workers, we tried our best no, to practice and sing this song to conclude us, uh, to us this beautiful message of Christmas. In other words, mangarol mi sa inyo. No, unya, kung ganahan mo, mga mo, kanta po mig, thank you, thank you, kung makadawat po mi. Joke lang. But we would like to sing for you tonight, and I hope that this will be a message that will glorify God and will edify you as well for His glory and honor. Let me call on our full-time uh, workers to come and sing to us.